Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. You know, as I was getting ready for this, this message uh, this week, I, I was looking through some books that are in my library, and I came across a book that I had not opened in a long time. Um, it was a book called uh, The Coming Church Revolution. And it was a book from the 90s that was all about the, the value and the importance of starting small groups that would meet in people's homes and that they would meet on days other than Sunday uh, and how important that was going to be not only from a world perspective where it was already happening, but particularly in the U.S. as people had very busy schedules and, and the change of activity going on in their life and how this was going to be the thing that everybody needed to be in on. I was flipping through the, the pages of that book and I found inside of it a receipt. And the receipt was from a church that I interviewed with in 1997. So that's 25 years ago. And 25 years ago, I made the transition from being a youth minister to being a small groups minister. And as I was making that transition, it seemed like a good thing to do, except for the fact that I had absolutely no idea what a small group was and how small groups were supposed to work. And, and so since I didn't really understand any of that, I got a hold of every book that I could find that was about small groups, which in the 90s was like three books. And of those three books, two of the books were written by the same guy, okay? And so inside these books, um, there was all kinds of details about schedules and, and, and about training and leadership and uh, how, how you're supposed to plan your year as a small group leader and, and the roles that everybody was going to play inside the small group. All really good information. But um, it was kind of like trying to read a book to learn how to play golf. Okay, trying to read a book about a golf swing, having never stepped onto a golf course in your life, and reading all the way through the book, and then thinking that you're going to step onto a golf course and shoot par. Okay, reading the book gave me enough information to answer questions at an interview, but it didn't have the experience of being in a small group. And so, because I read those books, I knew enough information to get the job as a small groups minister. And then the very first small group that I went to, the very first small group gathering in my life is one that I went to as the new leader of the entire small group ministry in that church. Because nobody in the interview process ever asked me if I'd ever been to a small group before. So if that's something that you're gonna be doing in the future, just that's a good question to maybe ask someone before they take over the leadership of an area. So I, I went to this small group and they got all the things right from the book. They, they did the schedule right. They, they had different roles that were right. They, they, they kind of put their year together correctly. They were doing curriculum the right way. And yet none of that was the heart of the group. When I walked into these people's house for the first time, there were hugs and there were handshakes and there were high fives. There weren't any fist bumps because it was 1997 and there weren't fist bumps yet. But then like the, the house started filling up with all of these loud conversations happening in different corners of the living room and, and, and over in the kitchen. In fact, most of them started to move towards the kitchen because as more and more people started to show up, more and more food started to show up. 
and it kind of all got put on the island in the kitchen and people migrated that direction and then they picked up a paper plate and started filling up that plate with food and then dispersed a little bit back out into the house. And then at some point along the way, the, the host got everybody's attention and had everybody come into the living room and sit down. And we all sat down and, and he had a couple of announcements that he put out there and then everyone grabbed a Bible and started to continue a conversation that had obviously started the week before. And they continued to talk about this portion of the Bible they were working through and they had questions that, that were being asked, these open-ended questions and everybody participated. Everybody had something to say and there were insights and thoughts and ideas and things people agreed with and things people didn't agree with. And then it was time for prayer. People started sharing prayer requests. They started giving updates on stories that they'd obviously told before and new victories that had happened for them that week and other concerns that they wanted to bring up. But it wasn't like prayer announcements. It was people telling their story and other people engaged and really listening to what was going on in somebody's life. And, and they had concerns for those people and they even had suggestions for those folks and advice to give for certain instances. And, and then somebody prayed and when that person said amen, the noise level went way up again and all these conversations started happening around the room again. And, and then there were hugs and there were high fives and there were handshakes and everybody left. And so I got into my car and, and headed home. And on the way home, as I was thinking about the night, that night at my first small group gathering, I started to get like emotional. And I started to like have tears come into my eyes. And I'm not really a crier. And so when that happens, I have to stop and figure out why am I crying? And when I thought about it, it was actually pretty simple. The previous four years, I had been a youth minister at a church that was just 90 minutes away from my mom and dad. Those four years were also, three of them were the first three years of our married life. And so Thursday was my day off. And not every week, but a lot of weeks. When youth group was over on Wednesday night, we'd jump in the car and head to Clearwater and spend our day off with family and just kind of immerse ourselves in that sense of belonging, surrounded by family. And when I went to go start a new ministry at a new church, I, I loved the work that I was doing, and I loved the church that I was in, but I didn't just go around the corner. I moved to a church that was 1,200 miles away. And as much as I loved the work and as much as I loved the church, there were still a lot of moments that felt really lonely. And that night in that living room at Life Group, at least for two hours, I didn't feel lonely. And that sense of family and that sense of home is something that happens when you get together with a small group of people. When you spend time in what we call around here life group times 
And it's unbelievably valuable for our heart and for our soul. Now, Elizabethtown and Hardin County is far more unique than some of us know or maybe some of us remember. Our family's been here for 15 years. And in those 15 years, there's been a lot of things about this community that have changed over that time. A lot of differences now than previously. There are many more people in this area, for instance, who are not from this area, okay? Who didn't grow up here, who aren't multi-generational parts of this particular part of the country. When we first moved here, it was commonplace for a stranger to walk up to me and say, hey, what high school did you go to? Because the assumption is that I live here, therefore I'm from here, therefore I went to a high school here. And I used to love to answer, Clearwater High School, go Tornadoes. And to them it was like I was speaking some alien language. Because I wasn't from here. But there is something beautiful about the multi-generational nature of this community. There are many of you who are sitting in this room who have children and grandchildren and parents and aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings who could all be at your house for a holiday gathering and no one would have to drive more than what? 40 minutes? And you could all be together? It's amazing. It's a Thanksgiving gathering kind of feeling that some of us who don't have that dream about. It's just that when we dream about it, it would require cross-country flights and hotel accommodations and all kinds of different pieces coming together. And yet for you who are here, it happens somewhat effortlessly every single year, or in some cases, far more often than that. And in terms of feelings and emotions, that's why I was tearing up on the way home after my first small group gathering that I'd ever had. It was the greatest, dreamiest version of a family Thanksgiving that pretty much sums up what the night felt like for me. And for those of you who know that, who know that sense of family because your biological family are here, and you know that sense of family because you get together all the time, and I am so happy for you, and I am so thankful for you, and I'm a little jealous about that for you. But there are more and more and more of us who don't have that very often. And small groups exist to provide an additional experience like that for those of us who do have that sense of family around. And for those of us who don't, it becomes our primary family that we get to have. I recently heard uh, author Malcolm Gladwell, and Malcolm Gladwell has written books like um, Outliers and uh, Tipping Point and Blink and Talking with Strangers and um, he described this uniqueness that's found in these small groups of people who get together, okay? Whether it's in people's homes, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's just part of your time getting together and you break off and you've got these group of people that you're with every single day, 
or every single time that you get together. He called that uniqueness and that strangeness and, and the value of that time coming together, he called it small group magic. It's that part of life groups that isn't the mechanics and it's not the schedule and it's not the snack list and it's not all those kinds of things. It's the part of life group that really matters. That's small group magic. But there's actually no mystery to it at all. It's been 25 years since that drive home from my first small group meeting. And in those 25 years, I think I've gotten a handle on what Gladwell's talking about. And not surprisingly, it actually shows up in the Bible. And it shows up in the blueprint that we kind of keep going back to during this series on the authentic life. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And in verse 46 of that short little passage, this is what we read about the church. They worshiped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So this is a group of people that the value of the church was that they got together in a large gathering like this one. And they got together in the temple. And notice they did it every day, not just on Sunday. But they got together in a large group. But just as important to the description of the church was that they gathered together in groups in each other's homes and they hung out together, and, and what we really see them doing is that they were doing life together. These were people. Remember from last week, if you were with us, we talked about this first church in Jerusalem was made up all completely of the people that were from the nation of Israel. And so these were people that was part of their society and part of their nationality to be hospitable. It's kind of built into their DNA. It was built into how they did life. So they were hospitable all the time. But instead of just hospitality, when the church got started, it wasn't just hospitality where you made sure that everybody got something to eat and something to drink if they ever came into your house. They were building community. They were intentionally coming to each other's homes and knowing that they were coming to each other's homes and they had this sense of community that they shared. That was the joy that they knew. That was the generosity that was just kind of flowing out of them. It's like the greatest version of a family gathering together. It's a, it's a home group, it's a life group, it's a small group, you can call it whatever you want, but they are places where you can know and be known, where you can serve and be served, where you can love and be loved, where you can care and be cared for, where you can encourage and be encouraged, where you can challenge and be challenged. It's a gathering that fights against isolation. See, on Sunday morning, we have this experience that we're in right now, and then there's other parts of this moment that some of you are looking forward to or have already participated in. There's the times that you kind of spend out in the commons talking to other people or you're waiting to do that as soon as we're done here and you're gonna go out in the commons, carry on a conversation, maybe connect with a couple of folks before you head out, or maybe, and this happens a lot, it's just right there in the row. You know, the, the last word gets spoken and, and you just kinda of turn around and start having a conversation with the person that's been sitting behind you this whole time because you knew they were there but you hadn't had a chance to talk yet and so you just kinda of stay right there. That happens every Sunday. But what also happens every Sunday is that there are people who come here to worship and they do it in complete isolation. I've seen it. They, they walk in the doors and they kind of come a little bit late. 
They find somewhere to sit that's a little bit away from everybody. And they participate. They sing the songs and they stand and watch the screens and watch the stage and even take some notes. But as soon as that last word is spoken, they make a beeline for their car. Straight out the doors, through the commons, without making eye contact with anybody, then onto their car and out the exit. And they just participated in worship in complete isolation. And isolation is not good self-care, right? We, we've learned that kind of language over the last couple of years. It's okay at times to be by yourself and to do things on your own and to do things alone. It's okay to do things alone. But isolation is not healthy. That's what was being talked about in the book of Ecclesiastes. Here's how it reads. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Isolation is not healthy. The healthiest we can be is in community. And community is not always found when you stare at the back of somebody's head on Sunday morning for an hour. Community is found when you get together with eight or 10 or 12 people, either in a classroom or in a living room, and you get a chance to get to know each other. And you get a chance to know what's happening in each other's lives and how you can pray for each other. And there's more to life groups, though, than just that sense of community. There's more to it, this small group magic, than just the community thing. Because there are also these incredible moments that happen from the insights and the discussions and the, the opinions and the thoughts that get shared that eventually always help advance your spiritual life when you're in a small group. Now, there are... Some Sundays, when something gets said during a sermon that really connects with you, and there are some Sundays where there are lyrics that are sung in a song that really kind of connect with your heart and your spirit and your emotions, or, or there's something that gets said during a communion meditation and, and you kind of really think about that, and, and, and you end up holding on to those things and you think about it the rest of the day, maybe even all the way until tomorrow you think about it. But let's be honest, that doesn't happen every Sunday. It just doesn't. I know that. I know that, that they're, they're not notes that you're hanging on to on Wednesday every single week of something that got set up here. And when you add to that the fact that some of us miss Sundays, and sometimes a lot of Sundays, because we're sick or because of vacation or because of some sporting tournament or tournaments that are going on, then, man, the gap between those moments when we actually have something spiritually significant that happens for us on Sunday morning, the gap gets larger and larger. But when you're in a small group of people and you get to kind of bat around some ideas and share some thoughts and hear other people's insights, what takes place in the middle of that life group setting where there's a, a constant moment and even accountability moments of growth that happens. Going back to Malcolm Gladwell's expression of the small group magic, the, the reason that he had that term that he used is his greatest expression of what he saw for his mom. Gladwell said that his mom had gone to church as long as he could remember. 
And there had been a time where she kind of marked her faith and marked her uh, seriousness about religion by how many Sundays in a row she went to church. But he said more recently, especially in the last couple of decades, she still goes to church every single Sunday, but she will tell you without a doubt that the growth that happens for her spiritual life happens when she comes together with her eight or 10 friends that are part of her small group and they share together. Her community brings growth into her life. Well, one last ever-present value of our life groups and of the life groups that we read about in the Bible and of that very first life group that I ever visited. When you are in a group of people and trust begins to be built, you start to find out that the stuff that's going on in your life because of that group gets cared for and covered through prayer. And through the years, my life group um, has known stuff that's going on in my life in far greater detail than really anybody else. My life group members have prayed for me and have reached out to me in ways that they knew would matter to me. Okay? It's great when people reach out. It really is. And I, um, I've had so many folks that have sent cards uh, our direction during the last week or so, uh, sympathy cards about my mom's passing, and all of that is so meaningful to, to get. But man, people in our life group, they know how to connect, and they know what matters. Even members of our life group that we haven't been with for a couple of months now as we took a summer break were some of the ones who went above and beyond, who were stopping by the house and dropping things off and even just putting things in the mailbox and then texting us and letting us know that it's there. Have been reaching out through texts and, and other ways just to let us know that they're praying for us, have stopped us in the hallway and even kind of forced a hug you know those moments when you don't really want a hug, but you get a hug, and in the middle of the hug, you realize how much you needed the hug? It happens from people in life group. And that kind of stuff was going on all the way back in the first century that we read about in the Bible. In fact, there's this one moment that happens in the life of Peter, and it's in the book of Acts, and Peter has this moment where uh, he's in prison, and he's been put in prison because he's been talking about Jesus, and um, he's probably awaiting his execution the next morning. He's pretty sure that as he's sitting in this cell, the next time that a guard comes to get him, it's going to be to take him away to be beheaded. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, and, and we don't know the details because I'm not sure Peter understood the details. In almost a dreamlike state, Peter is led out of his jail cell, cell and through all the hallways of the jail and out into the open and the commons of the city, a free man in the middle of the night. He's not really sure how he got there. He's not really sure what's going on. But that's where we pick up the story, and here's what we read. It says that when he realized this, that he was free, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. And he knocked at the door in the gate, and, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, 
She was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. And when she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. And here's my favorite part of the story. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking on the outside of the door. When they finally opened the door and they saw him, they were amazed. Now, th this is Peter's life group. This is the, the home where Peter would go to hang out with those eight or 12 people that mattered so much to his life. And what had they done while he was in prison? They had gathered to pray. They were praying for God to do something miraculous. They were pretty sure that Peter was gonna have something horrible happen to him in the morning, and so they were gathering that night to pray for something miraculous. The thing is, when God did the miraculous, they couldn't believe that the miraculous had actually happened. But when Peter got out of prison, the place that he knew he wanted to go was to that group of people who had cared for him and who he knew were still up covering him in prayer. This is a community that is available for you. This is a place of growth that's available for you, and this is a place of support that is available for you when you are doing life together with other people. And if we've led you to believe that life groups or your small group time is something that is just another thing that you've got to get done and that you've got to put on your schedule and that you should feel guilty about if you're not doing that and you're not investing in that so that you can kind of achieve and check the box and have the authentic life. If that's how we've presented it to you, I'm, I'm sorry that we've explained it that way. Because life group is something that you get to have because of the authentic life that Jesus already paid for. Life group is something that you get to participate in because Jesus made it available for you. It is a life of community and a life of growth and a life of support that is special and emotional and, and meaningful and as Gladwell called it, magic, but there's really nothing mysterious to it at all because it's exactly what God crafted, exactly what God intended for you to have in your life. And some of you are fortunate enough to have that in your actual family, where it's not only great for you to get together, but there is a, a spiritual encouragement that happens when you do so. But that is something that we make available for everyone in our church family here at First Christian. And if that's something that you don't have in your life, then we want to help you connect into that kind of community. Or if it's something that as we're kind of sitting here talking about it, you're thinking, you know, I have a group of friends that I would love to kind of pull together and have us be a community together. Or maybe it's something that this is the first time you're kind of hearing about it this way or the first time you're hearing about it at all and you're not necessarily wanting to take a step in, you would just like more information about all of that without having to commit to it. We want to make that super simple for you today. Okay, and here's how easy it is. In front of you, 
on the chair in front of you, except for all of you here in the front row, sorry, on the chair in front of you, there is this little square of squiggliness, okay? It's also called a QR code, okay? So if you know what a QR code, then you know what it is. But if you don't know what a QR code is, it's that little square of squiggly that's on the chair in front of you. If you take out your phone right now, and you open your camera app, and you run your camera app in front of that little square of squiggly, it's gonna pull up a website that you just click on, and as it goes there, it'll take you right to this life group uh, information page, and all it asks for is your name, your phone number, and your email, and what of those things you'd like to know about, whether it's I wanna join a group, or I wanna form a group, or hey, back off, I just want some information, okay? Whatever the case is, we're gonna get in touch with you this week and answer those questions for you. Okay, so all you gotta do is pull out your phone, open the camera app, put it over top of that QR code, and it'll take you right there. Now, there are some of you who are here who maybe you're already in a group, or you're not interested in doing any of those things, but you're just kind of curious to see if it would actually work, okay? You can go ahead and pull out your phone, okay? Open your camera app, put it over top of the thing, let it take you where it takes you, and you don't have to fill it out, okay? Just, you wanna see if it works, I get it, it's fun, got it, but, if you want to be part of this experience and part of what is, is available to you as part of the authentic life, man, we'd love to help you get connected with that group of people where you can do life together, with that sense of community that is available to you. We wanna make it as easy as possible for you to know community and growth and support. And many of our groups are starting back up here in a couple of weeks. Some of our groups didn't take a break at all during the summer, and so they're continuing on. We've got groups that are happening uh, pretty, pretty quickly, uh, new groups that are, that are on the horizon. We have groups that are available for our students too, and so you can let us know about that and, and how they can be involved in that. It's part of their time together. Yet this is part of the authentic life that is just sitting here waiting for you to immerse yourself in it. It's not something that, that we wanna force you to have on your schedule. It's not something that we want you to feel guilty about. We just wanna provide you with these groups that exist to be your community and to build you up. Let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, God, we are amazed at how you know us and how you, you knew from the beginning that we would need one another, that it, it wouldn't be sufficient for us to, to be gathered together in just a huge group of people, but that we would need to have people that were our real community, that were, that were our people that we could connect with, that we could um, just be with and be supported by and grow together. And God, we thank you for making that part of the, the first century church and making that part of our church right here at First Christian. And God, for those who have been thinking today as we've been going through this about whether they want to take a step and kind of begin to have that sense of the authentic life and immerse themselves in this part of it, God, I just ask that you would encourage them, give them the courage to continue to take a step, give them the courage to fill out that form, give them the courage to, to take a step, to go to one of those groups, maybe for the first time like I did 25 years ago, and be amazed at that sense of community that I didn't even know was missing in my life. God, there are folks who need that, who are among us right now. 
Would you give them the confidence and the courage to take that step today? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you'd stand with me this morning. And all of this is possible because of Jesus. And all of this is possible because that's what we have in common is Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus and you've never said yes to his leadership and, and his forgiveness that he wants to give you for free, he's just asking you to say yes to him, to be baptized in his name. If that's something you need to do today or you want to talk to somebody about that today, we want to encourage you to walk down these aisles here in just a second when we have uh, the song that we're going to sing. Or maybe you've already made that decision and, and you just want to be a part of a church family, uh, have that sense of belonging here at First Christian and we'd love to have you with us. But for the rest of us, we have an opportunity right now. It's a chance that we are all together and we get to worship and we get to sing and we get to praise our Lord, our Savior, our King, our Redeemer. And I'm just gonna ask that we would lift our voices freely and worship him right now.